Good afternoon, basketball fans, and welcome to episode 32 of season two of Sports Talk with Rags. And today we are joined here on the phone by former Monarch coach, Blaine Taylor. Coach Taylor, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Rags. It's a real pleasure to be uh, back in uh, Norfolk and uh, back in Virginia and back at ODU and uh, on the air with the Rags. Well, hey, I certainly uh, appreciate your time. And here, before we uh, start talking about your uh, your time at Montana, I mean, let's start at the beginning. What, uh, what grabbed your interest here with uh, – here with playing the game of basketball? Well, I grew up kind of normal. I was the youngest boy in seven kids, and my parents loved sports, and a lot of my older siblings were really good at sports, so that kind of paved the way. Uh, my dad uh, didn't get a chance to really graduate from high school because of the war. He was over out of Pearl Harbor. My mom was valedictorian of her high school never got to go to college because of world war ii so it was really important that we do good in school and have a chance and then uh, sports kind of fell into place i played football i played basketball i played baseball i played everything there was but when push come to shove i ended up getting a basketball scholarship and uh playing basketball at the university of montana i was going to go to law school uh everywhere i visited when i was recruited to college i visited their law schools at the last minute, my dad said to me, he said, Blaine, you're going to need a lawyer. I'm just not sure you're going to be happy being one. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I ended up getting my master's in athletic administration, and I got really lucky that I was surrounded by Hall of Fame people. Mike Montgomery was in the Hall yeah. of Fame, Stu Morrill who's, you know, Hall of Fame guy from Colorado State, Utah State. Uh, those kind of guys uh, kind of guided my path, and, and I eventually became the head coach at Montana and kind of set the tone for a coaching career that's lasted decades. I've gone from coast to coast to coast to coast, and, and, and it's been kind of a vagabond experience because athletics kind of makes you go where the action is, but it's been a wonderful journey uh, at the four different schools that I've uh, been at, we've you know had great seasons, maybe some of the best seasons in the history of those schools. We've been to the NC2A tournament, we won championships, and uh, three of the four schools, we won games in the NC2A tournament. The only one we didn't win games was at Montana, but you know, I, Montana is where I was born, and it, it's a home. But uh, I'm going back there in September to be yes. inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And so that's quite a quite a treat around the corner. But being back here in uh, in, in Hampton Roads and, and here at Old Dominion sure feels good. Yes, and there with uh, there with Montana just saw that uh, recognition and uh, congratulations on that. And um, you know you started as a student athlete, and except for uh, three years as a high school assistant there in the mid 80s. I mean, you were with uh, the Montana program as a student athlete, an assistant or a head coach from like 79 to 98, except for a few years that you were uh, coaching high school. Yeah, they, there was a guy there that joked I should write a book and call it Six Blocks because <laughs> I I went like six blocks to a private Catholic high school and then six blocks back over to the university and then I became the head coach. And so I spent, you know, 20 plus years within 
about six blocks of lots of different levels of, of employment and, and, and really enjoyed a, a nice time there. It was a formative time for a young family. I have four, I have four daughters that so were all born there. Right. So I had a great experience in Montana. But I don't know what it was. Everybody talks about middle age, you know, itches or whatever. I turned about 40 and all of a sudden I sprouted my wings and went off to see the world. So I'm thrilled that I'm going back to Montana with the Hall of Fame experience. And with all my, you know, with a really large family, there's, there's a lot of pride in that fact. Yes. Yeah. And before we um, talk about your time uh, coming east and, and uh, leading the Monarchs as uh the Constant Center opened up. I'd like to stay stay there as you're an assistant and you talked about Mike Montgomery there at uh, Stanford. You know, I mean, you also had a former assistant, uh, Travis DeCure, be an assistant with Mike Montgomery at Cal. And now Travis is leading the Montana program, right? Yeah, it seems like everything's kind of intertwined. I was Mike Montgomery's very first starting point guard. I was recruited to Montana by Judd Heathcote, who went to Michigan State. Yes. Yeah. With magic. Right. But uh, after I had a successful run at Montana, Stanford elected to reinvest in their success. They they'd had a really strong program under Mike, but they hadn't won a Pac-10 title. Uh, they thought they could be, you know, number one in the country and really relevant. So they lured me away from a head coaching position to Stanford, and I was there for three years right. with Mike. And, and I joke that, uh, you know, I got my doctorate in coaching while I was there, but I really learned a lot about philanthropy. Uh, and Stanford is a really unique place. Right. And so when I took those lessons, I went from having that book called Six Blocks to right. the one that I'm living now that's coast to coast to coast to coast. It was kind of odd when I was sitting in my office at Stanford and I got a phone call about the job at Old Dominion. Right. I had three or four different schools I could have chose, but you mentioned the Constant Center. Uh, I flew in here, saw all the water. I met all these friendly people. I saw the hunger in people's eyes and in their countenance about winning. And then I saw the plans for this constant center. And I said, you know, that's what I'd sure like to be a part of and see if I can't make a difference. And we, we had a lot of fun with that constant center, didn't we? Yes, we did. We did. And uh, let's see, my, my wife and I, we certainly experienced it. Uh, firsthand here with being uh season ticket holders during during that time and uh you know following you guys to the Siegel Center of that other school on 64 West and then the uh and then the conference tournament I mean just at that time with the CAA basketball and the rivalries with George Mason VCU and of course uh William and Mary only being 45 uh, miles away. I mean, what great quality basketball we had coming to the Constant Center or following you guys on the road. And then, of course, the conference tournament there in Richmond. Well, you know, we're going into a new league here. Right. Uh, 
So. And, and so that's an interesting, you know, we've got a, a more a geographic footprint that makes more sense. But I look back at the Colonial, yeah. and when I took the job here, there was only six schools in the league, and then a few months later there was ten. Okay. And the Colonial really became something special, multiple bid league, and our tournaments were unbelievable. It's I, Last weekend I took, I have a new fiancé, and I took her for a ride. We went to Richmond. We didn't plan on it, but we drove downtown Richmond, and I drove by the Coliseum. Yeah. I said, wow, do I have some memories there? <laughs> yeah. and, and then we took a ride on Broad Street, right. and we drove by the Seagull Center, and I go, I don't, you don't know this, but I couldn't even walk down the street in Richmond without getting stuff thrown at me and spit <laughs> at and yelled at and everything else. It was quite a rivalry. We had a lot of fun with it. And, and now people, re- I remember people complained we used to have to go to Richmond to beat BCU to win the tournament. And now they go, man, that was the best ever. Right. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, a lot of good memories. But, uh, you know, the, cl- the, time, the clock's kind of turned. Yeah. And uh, now we get to the present. You know, I, I remind myself that I'm back here in a different capacity, but I'm still an ODU fan. I'm friends with many of the coaches. But the best part, Mark, has been, all the people. Yeah. I mean, I'm out this morning meeting with somebody out at the beach and we're telling stories. And then I go have lunch with about eight or nine guys, the big sports people from around the area that are just rabid. And, and then, you know, later in the afternoon, get on the, the phone with you. And that's been what my experience has been is, is the best of the human experiences, young people and young energy and sport and education. And that's what we all cling to. Yes, and uh, you know, and also to my uh, JMU uh, alum friends, uh, you know, uh, friends that went to JMU. I mean, I can't forget how they were CAA rivals, and they're gonna they're gonna follow Old Dominion there to the Sun Belt. But uh, you know, the um, the Monarch basketball program, and even. In the CAA, I mean, not only multiple leagues, but there was, but there was a season where where us and VCU and George Mason, I mean, three schools from the mid major get get a bid there to uh, there to the NC uh, NC two A's, and you know, just uh, what quality basketball there at the there at the mid major level. Well, here's an interesting tidbit. Michael Litos, an author from Richmond, wrote a book called Cinderella during those years. That was pretty pretty widely accepted as a really nice write. And it talked about the NCAA tournament in schools like ourselves. And during that stretch, we were as good as anybody, won as many championships, as many tournaments, all that kind of stuff. But VCU and George Mason both went to the Final Four right. during that stretch. Right. And... Uh, people ask me about that, and I says, you know, here's an interesting tidbit. Neither of them won our league. Right. Neither of them won our tournament on the years that they went to the Final Four. That's how strong the league was at that time. Right, right. And then after uh, after the 04-05 season, you know, we um, we won the the CAA won the won the tournament. You know, then the then the next year, another twenty win season. Got into the NIT, but what an experience for the basketball players and the coaches there with the NIT. We were on a run to the semifinals and playing in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I remember in the, the Coliseum, 
we, we lost. Right. And I remember walking, and you're always trying to figure out what to say to your team. And, and I walked in, and I had played in Madison Square Garden against Duke, against North Carolina, against some you know, really fabled programs representing Stanford. And I walked in, I said, guys, you know, this NIT tournament, if we could make it to the garden, you can't imagine how special that experience is. And we did not have an easy path. We had to win multiple road games. We didn't get a bunch of home games and an easy, you know, path to New York like some people get. Right. We had to earn it the hard way. And we got there. And I remember being outside Madison Square Garden, walking down the streets, and you would have thought I was outside the Constant Center. There were so many old things saying hi and high fiving and shaking hands and walking in the establishments. There was, it was, it was, it was quite a scene. And, and so, of all the memories that I have of NCAA and championships and the Constant Center and and the Coliseum, you know, being in Madison Square Garden is certainly a great memory. Right. Yes. And then the. Uh... Then the 2010, uh, 2011 season, we we went 27 and seven, and I'll never I'll never forget. I work here at Norfolk Naval Shipyard here in downtown Portsmouth, and uh, me and a couple of uh, friends from work, we took the day off to go up to the uh, uh, Verizon Center, you know, the Wizards Arena, Capital One Arena, I think is what it's called now, but. You know, I could remember that that first round matchup against Butler, you know, the number one seed in that pod was Pitt. And I knew, of course, I was pulling for pulling for us, but I knew that the winner of the eight nine game could be on a magical ride. And, you know, we we lost to a tough Butler team. But, you know, Butler, Brad Stevens and his team went on there and had a nice run there in the 2011 tournament yeah it went all the way to the championship game right Um, right. you know we had that group that had beaten Notre Dame the year before and lost narrowly to Baylor uh, to go to the 16 and we were good and that was that was one of the hardest games I've ever been involved with I was so invested in our team and our program and, and and one of the Regrets I have looking back is that we didn't have a longer run in the NC2A tournament because we had a good enough team three or four times to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you always dream that the NC2A tournament is this magical moment and somebody makes a last second shot or a tip in. You don't imagine it happening to you. Right, right. And, and uh, you know, Butler tips it in. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, we led the nation in rebounding that season. We were the number one rebounding team in the country. I have a big plaque. And that that tip-in was with about four of the best rebounders in the country about inches away from snatching the ball before it got just kind of poked into the basket at the buzzer. But anyway, Butler goes on, and Brad Stevens becomes the head coach of the Celtics. And when I was working for NBC Television and Comcast uh, doing uh, TV, I would go up to – Boston and I would sit behind the Celtics bench uh, with uh, Brett Stevens, you know, thanking me because after beating us, they went to the Final Four and he got the Celtics job. (laughs) So he was always nice to me. (laughs) Right. You know, and uh, Coach Taylor, I mean, one reason why my wife and I, we, um, my wife Elizabeth, and maybe, um, you know, we can uh, see you at a football game or a basketball game this coming season. But you know, one reason why we got tickets year in and year out there in 
there in the early 2000s, you know, there when the Constant Center would open up, not only was it a great, great program and quality basketball, but they were they were great athletes to to root for. I mean, Drew Williamson, Isaiah Hunter, Brandon Johnson, Vercilius Dahi, and then of course uh, Baysmore, the fin- uh, Ben Finney, Nick Wright. I mean, they were they were just Frank Cassell. They were just great guys on and off the court to root for and follow. Well, when I first got here, a gentleman by the name of Paul Webb, legendary. I had lunch with Paul Webb the other day. He's 93 now. He told me how important it was that the players on our team be a part of this community, that they're going to be visible, uh, they're they're, going to be important. And and I always told our guys, it's nice to be important. It's more important to be nice. And our guys, uh, I'm really proud of the kind of people we had. If you look at where they're at in the world today, but it was an eclectic bunch. We had a lot of international kids. We had a lot of kids that... From around this area, but from farther away, and so that melting pot is what makes America what it is. Right. And and I thought that we had this mixture that was pretty magical at times. Uh, we had a kid from Australia, and a kid from Georgia, and a kid from Virginia, and a kid from Pennsylvania, and a kid from Lithuania. And you know, they sit in the locker room and start telling stories, and and it just became very very special for our fans to be a part of because we started. Uh, the Meet the Monarchs banquet and right. breakfast and we had golf tournaments and we started a lot of grassroots event, uh, affairs. We were only on TV a time or two the, the year before I got here. We were on TV 24, 25 times a year when we got good. Mm-hmm. So those kids got a lot of exposure uh, to media, to people, to functions, to learning how to dress, to learn how to tie a tie. <laughs> to learn how to speak into a microphone, to learn how to make eye contact with people. Uh, so we, 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 I'm very, very proud of that. Element. That's an enduring quality that programs have, not just a, a flash in the pan championship once in a while. Right. Yes. And I, and not only uh, before we started, we talked about Baysmore with the NBA, but I mean, Drew Williamson, there he is, uh, assistant coach uh, down in, uh, down in Florida and John Richardson, you know, one of your former assistants is still, is still an assistant, you know, there at, uh, there at Old Dominion, you know, and of course, Alex Lawton and, and Gerald Lee there with uh, Alex Lawton from Australia and Gerald Lee, he was from France, right? Finland. Finland. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had uh, some great memories recruiting those kids. You know, Alex Loudon was, you know, he's an All-American, a great student and all that stuff. But I remember when we played, beat New Orleans, or we were in New Orleans and we beat Notre Dame. Dick Enberg called uh, Gerald Lee over to the scores table and all of a sudden started talking to him in Finnish. <laughs> Gerald was shocked. <laughs> And I said to Enberg and Jay Bellis, I mean, what was that? And, 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 and Enberg said, well, my mom was finished, and so I know how to speak bit. So that was a remarkable moment to kind of witness. Right. One other player, to, the guy to mention is Travis DeCure was an assistant here when we were getting things going. Right. And he played for me at Montana. I recruited oh. him out of Seattle. Oh. A lot of our baseball players 
Travis right now are coming from the Seattle area from Tacoma. Right. And uh, so Travis was here for five years. And then Mike Montgomery was looking for uh, a staff member. And I suggested Travis. So Travis went to Cal for some years. Right. And then, believe it or not, went back to my alma mater and his alma mater to Montana as the head coach. And he's done a fabulous job there. And so I'm looking forward to seeing him when I go back in September to Montana. He's actually arranged a evening with the president and some of the donors there uh, the night before the end into the hall of fame oh wow yeah that's uh that's nice but uh hey with that being on uh the weekend of uh september 10th it sounds like that uh might be able to be in town here with uh labor day weekend being the the hokies coming to old dominion i think that's uh friday night september 2nd yeah the athletic director called me from montana to tell me that I was going to be inducted as a player and a coach. And my first thought was, oh, no, am I going to be able to go? Right. Uh, so the people here at Old Dominion were great. They were like, man, you do whatever you need to do. But it was very fortuitous because I'll be here for the big, splashy September 2nd, Friday night kickoff of the football season. Right. And then the next weekend, we're at East Carolina, and I'll be able to sneak back to Montana. Uh, for a, a few days for the Hall of Fame, and then I'll be back here for the rest of the fall. So it all kind of worked out. I appreciate your comments on that, Mark. Yes, and uh, Coach Taylor, appreciate uh, appreciate your time. And uh, so, how do you how do you like uh, you know uh, being being back here uh, working working for ODAF? Well. Uh, Wood Sea League and Jenna Verga are really responsible for this happening. They, they, they just decided that why, if I was going to go back to work somewhere, why didn't I go back to help Old Dominion right. raise a little bit of money? Right. So they're responsible for it. But, you know, Alonzo Brandon, the, the head of the foundation here, and then uh, President Hemphill is a, is, is a really man of action, and they all signed off on me coming back. So I'm very uh, humbled and fortunate to be here. I have five grandkids here and four daughters, and so that's a real bonus. Yes. And I, I just, it's, I've been living a dream here lately, just uh, kind of going down memory lane, but learning a lot. I, I, I worked on the other side with the foundation hand in hand for years, but now I'm still learning a lot about this side of the uh, campus and how things are done. So, uh, you never, you know, it's what you learn after you know everything that makes a difference. And, you know, I know a little bit, but I'm sure learning a lot. And I think I can help around here a little bit. So uh, every day I jump up and have a little hitch in my giddy up and go see what I can get done. Yes. Yeah. And hey, before we wrap up, I mean, with uh, your connection there with uh, Mike Montgomery, I mean, that that might have been interesting for him with uh, leading Stanford's program and then uh, and then years later, you know, going across the bay and leading uh, leading Cal's program. I mean, that's that's almost like over on this side. If you led uh, led Old Dominion and then went over to VCU, you know. <laughs> Stanford for I think 18, 19 years and then uh, went to the Warriors for a handful of years and oh, then okay. had a chance to go to Cal. I think he had the same house throughout the whole thing. He right. was a, you know, he was at two Pac-10 jobs in the NBA and he lived in the same house for a long time. So right. uh, he's, he's had a great run. He's a Hall of Fame guy and I'm really proud to call him a friend, but you know, it was my college coach and my job or my 
boss a couple of different times and so uh you got to really be fortunate lucky and feel blessed when you have those kind of guys in your life right yes well hey uh coach taylor uh appreciate your time and uh my wife uh elizabeth and i we hope to uh see you in person here when uh we come to an odu football game or come the winter time when we uh when we catch a basketball game now, what's called a chartway arena. Well, you know what it's like when you run the plane, you're going to get a handshake, a hug and have a laugh. That's right. just the way life is. Yes. So I look forward to that. All right. Well, Hey, uh, certainly uh, appreciate your time. And that's a, that's a wrap here for uh, today's uh, today's episode as uh, Monarch fans uh, listening to uh, coach Taylor and talked about his uh, time in Montana then um, then coming over here to uh, Old Dominion. And then on September 10th, he's going to be honored with uh, recognition of Montana going in their Hall of Fame. So congratulations on that. And uh, talk to you later, Coach Taylor. Thanks so much, Mark. Good luck to you. All right, thanks. Okay, talk to you later.